Welcome to the meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission for January 18th, 2024. The time is 4.30. And I'm Margot Schaub, and I serve as the Library Commission Affairs Analyst. This meeting is being held in person in the main library CRET auditorium, and members of the public can observe the meeting using the Zoom system by following the link in the library's event calendar or by calling 1-877-853-5247 and entering the webinar ID 825-7747-1280. Members of the public who are attending the meeting in person may provide public comment for up to three minutes for each item on the agenda. If we experience any technical issues with Zoom, we will recess and try to address the issue. Please try logging back into Zoom if there are technical problems. Library commissioners in attendance are President Connie Wolf, Vice President Pete Wong, Commissioners Ono, Mall, Lopez, uh, and Bolander. Thank you very much, and um, Happy New Year. Welcome to our first meeting of 2024 of the San Francisco Public Library Commission. To those of us, uh, to those of you here in Corette, we're delighted to see all of you, and we also are very pleased to welcome our virtual audience via the Zoom link. Um, we have a very full and exciting meeting agenda ahead, and we will start with the Ramatushaloni land acknowledgement. The area now known as San Francisco is the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushaloni peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the original peoples of this land, the Ramatushaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place. We recognize that we benefit from living, working, and learning on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as first peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community. If you have not already done so, all the materials for this meeting are available on the Library Commission webpage or here in Corette at the back of the auditorium. Today we have an, a, a total of six agenda items and we are going to begin with item number one, which is general public comment. Um, at this time, members of the public here in Corette may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission. The public also has the opportunity to address the commission on today's agenda item when that item is called. So this is your moment to make a public comment that is not connected directly to any agenda item. So uh, public comment in Corette is now open and we welcome you to make your public comment. Thank you. Good afternoon, this is Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, and also P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. I see the chair is smiling and it has taken me a little longer than I usually take, and that's because I consider this important. Folks who are not in this room, and either remotely or at some other time listening, may want to get in touch with anybody in the room. Certainly they can get in touch with library administration, 
certainly they can get in touch with you. Uh, members of the public, unfortunately, are not available at those kind of times for folks to approach and say, gee, I'd like to hear more about that, or I think you're wrong for this reason, uh, or whatever else happens uh, in a favorable way can happen at a public meeting. You systematically, unfortunately, take that out of the minutes, and uh, your caption notes, unfortunately, don't seem to understand uh, what an email address is or what a correct P.O. box is. Again, P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco 94117-0544. And it's also a lot more uh, private when it's at the post office or through the post office. I have been saying for about two years or more that Francis Haugen, a senior uh, person in Facebook, testified at the Senate two and a half years ago about the toxicity of Facebook and how it is particularly uh, uh, damaging and bad for people in general, but particularly teens and teenage girls. Uh, she testified to summarize, uh, Facebook prioritizes profits over safety. And you are continually advertising and touting Facebook on library publicity of all sorts without any reason that's indicated as to why you're doing it. It's unnecessary and it's especially bad to have that when you don't give any kind of warnings about the increasing dangers of going online and particularly with social media, including Twitter, X, uh, now X, and others. Uh, I'd also like to say that um, the library is not considering newspapers and periodicals uh, and certainly newspapers in its circulation figures and in general in its planning. Uh, and that's a big disappointment because I think that's an important role the library can play making those available. Thank you. Hello. Library, library commissioners, my name is Glenn Rogers, landscape architect, and uh, I did send you recently a, uh, an article uh, uh, regarding the Ocean View Library at what I believe to be a better location. It turns out that this uh, IT Bookman Center, uh, that's where I got all of my uh, COVID-19 shots. And uh, they also uh, provide uh, testing equipment uh, for COVID-19 there also. They have a very uh, robust uh, kitchen that provides uh, meals for seniors. They, uh, once a month, are able to provide uh, music, uh, soul, uh, blues music, wonderful stuff. You should go if you get a chance. And uh, transportation and, uh, and any other type of uh, health care uh, that is necessary. And so this particular uh, institution, which would be part of the, uh, the new library and the Pilgrim uh, Church, uh, it could be you know, vastly improved upon uh, with uh, it being torn down and being uh, rebuilt. Uh, presently, the reason I got the idea of the uh, IT Bookman becoming, and the Pilgrim Church becoming a private public partnership is they had a terrible rainstorm 
and the, uh, the roof collapsed. Uh, that being said, uh, the uh, drainage outside uh, the street, you know, came down and the water filled the, uh, the kitchen. So there's some serious design flaws with the building. And, uh, and personally, I don't think they're, they're going to be corrected uh, by, uh, you know, by refurbishing it. I think that it needs to be torn down, start all over again. And, uh, and you know, really the reason I'm here today is really to learn more about what's going on than to tell you uh, what you already got a chance to read. Um, I, I know I talked to Jen Lowe before I came here. She mentioned that uh, they're, they're interested in making the 100 Orizaba site into an ordinance or law that it be built at that location. And as you know, as I have testified and others, that particular location, you know, is uh, really quite unsafe for children. Um, you know, they can be blinded by the sun at certain times of the year as you're traveling down Sagamore Street at uh, 40 miles, 45, 40 miles an hour. And thank you for the opportunity. Bye now. Thank you very much. Further public comment? Hello, Commission. Uh, hi, I'm Michael Vincent Nell-Mercanti from Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. Just wanted to give you some uh, updates from Friends. We've told you before about our uh, end of year fundraising campaign. It was incredible. We smashed our fundraising goals and have a ton of new donors who've come in to support the library and our efforts here. So we're so excited to start 2024 on that note. Um, next up, I wanted to let you know we're having a Stong breakfast, which is our legacy giving breakfast to thank the people who've entrusted us with their own personal legacies. This is something we take uh, very seriously at Friends and something we um, are honored to uphold. And um, thank you all for being stewards of those gifts. And uh, we're very excited uh, for that breakfast. Um, we also, um, you'll be hearing probably about Night of Ideas. We will be there as well. <laughs> um, with our Friends Lounge, uh, please stop by if you're in attendance at that event. Uh, and finally, uh, I don't want to take too much time because this is a packed agenda. Uh, and I just want to say on behalf of Friends, thank you to all the library staff, the commissioners, the consultants, and the public for uh, being a part of this process, the budget process, the strategic plan. These are all really exciting initiatives, and we are in full support. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, any further public comment here in Corette Auditorium? Seeing that there's no further public comment, want to thank those who made public comment. Um, and now uh, this agenda, public comments close and this agenda is completed. We'll now move to agenda item number two, which is discussion and possible action to approve the December commission meeting minutes. We will um, open this up for public uh, discussion before commission discussion. Um, public comment on the uh, December commission meeting minutes is now open. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117 
0544. I give these uh, contact uh, methods for a good reason, which I mentioned in my previous remark, and I certainly expect and hope that they will be in the minutes, which you systematically exclude. In these particular minutes, you not only only mention the connection to Library Users Association once out of all the comments that I made, you also left out the P.O. Box address, which I give on every uh, agenda item. Uh, and that's wrong and poor, and it's certainly not a fair summary of what I'm saying, especially when I say though this, those things are important. Uh, one of the things that I said that's not included in this public comment is I talked about the largely invisible uh, asset of newspapers that you have in many, uh, well, most, if not all of the libraries, have a variety of newspapers daily as well as periodicals. But in many libraries, you go in uh, and you don't even see that there is any place where there might be newspapers. The newspapers are not visible. The newspapers are not, uh, there's no sign to get them. And they're the hardest thing to get. You have to give your library card while you hold a newspaper in such places. I mentioned that and I said that's very unfortunate and that doesn't help fulfill what I consider the library's uh, responsibility and largely filled to help people understand what's going on and uh, various perspectives. Um, with respect to the approval of the minutes, I once again said that you uh, unnecessarily tout social media uh, in your publicity for various programs, and that's wrong uh, when particularly uh, the Surgeon General and Francis Haugen and many other people have talked about the harmful effects those uh, cause particularly to kids and teenagers. And it's not just personally my opinion, the Surgeon General of the United States has at least two documents that talk about the harms of the internet and also the harms of social media. And they call, the Surgeon General calls upon uh, bodies like yours to take measures to uh, deal with that in some way to minimize or eliminate the dangers. I'm not saying you shouldn't have those accessible. I'm saying you shouldn't be touting them for nothing, and you should at least give some information about issues with those media. And that's what I said there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any further public comment on this agenda item? Seeing there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed. And we will now um, open this up for discussion um, among the commission and um, and possible vote. Do I, is there someone who would like to make a motion to approve the December commission meeting minutes? So moved. Do we have a second? Second. Um, we have a motion from Commissioner Huang and a second from Commissioner Lopez to approve the minutes. I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Vice President Wong. Aye. Commissioner Ono? Aye. Commissioner Mall. Aye. Commissioner Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Bolander? Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Thank you. So now we turn to item number three. Um, this is a discussion about the strategic planning and an update from the um, team that has been working so diligently on this. Um, I now turn it over to um, our city librarian, Michael Lambert. Good evening, commissioners. And thank you, President Wolf, 
Library staff appreciates this opportunity to present an update on our strategic planning initiative. Today, after a year-long effort to engage our community and our workforce, we've reached a pivotal milestone. You may recall it was this time last year when we first briefed you on our efforts to launch a major strategic planning initiative that would be carried out over many subsequent months. Our consultant team from Gensler and their associates are here today to present a draft of the library strategic plan that will drive the future direction of library programs and services for the remainder of this decade and beyond. Before I turn it over to our consultant team, it would be prudent to revisit the how and why we got here. Our previous strategic plan spanned the years 2016 to 2021 and concluded as we were still in the midst of recovering from a global pandemic that witnessed major shifts in how people engaged with our services and revealed some new opportunities for outreach, programming, and marketing. In November of 2022, our residents overwhelmingly voted to secure the future of the San Francisco Public Library with a 25-year renewal of the Library Preservation Fund. With such a strong affirmation and investment in the library, we felt it was important to demonstrate our intention to be good stewards of the community's resources. It's worth noting, again, our current mission statement was adopted by the Library Commission in 1996 when public libraries had not really been impacted by the advent of the internet and certainly not impacted by the adoption of eBooks and smartphones and the related revolution of how our patrons access and consume information. While free and open access to information and celebrating the joys of reading are still very much relevant and important to us, it's imperative for us to, to recognize the amazing opportunity before us to move beyond the traditional transactional model of service that's been our approach for decades. In this moment, we can honor the past, but also embrace the community mandate for our institution to turn more outward. Being more responsive in how we prioritize community needs has been at the forefront of this initiative to develop a new vision, mission, core values, and strategic priorities. I'm pleased to report through engagement with every segment of our workforce, there's been acknowledgement and some excitement building for new models of service for us to be more collaborative, more patron-focused, and unlock the full potential of our talented staff. This plan will spur organizational development to innovate how we better meet our community where they are and achieve greater impact in helping our residents to live their best lives. As you consider this new framework, I want to express my belief in the updated mission, core values, and new strategic priorities in holding great promise to keep San Francisco Public Library on the vanguard of our industry and as a model for organizational excellence and good government. I appreciate your thoughtful consideration in advance, and I look forward to hearing your input on the draft mission, vision, and strategic priorities. With that, I'd like to turn it over to Midori Mizuhara, our senior associate from Ginsler, who will be taking you through the draft plan. Great. Thank you so much, Michael. 
Let me get this clicker working. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Midori Mizuhara. I am with Gensler, a strategy and design firm um, that was tasked with leading the strategic plan. I'm going to be going through some updates on the draft components of the plan, and then I'm going to be joined by my colleague, Ali Holmes, at the end for discussion and answering questions. Um, you know, meeting goals today. Today, we're, we're really simply here to present the core components of the draft plan to you and get your feedback. Um, if we can think about some questions as I go through the content, um, you know, does this plan communicate a clarity of purpose for the organization and the community outcomes that we're desiring for SFPL? And what parts of the plan are resonating with you? Um, we will be back again for our last presentation of the final plan in March and look forward to seeing you then. Um, so we've been showing this timeline all year long. Um, we are what, where the yellow star is here. Um, we're in the final stretch. So we are at the point where we are refining and documenting the final plan. We're here to present you the, the draft. Um, since we spoke with you last time in October, we've been iterating and testing the plan components with staff and leadership all throughout October, November, and December. Um, and really to ensure two things, that it's reflective of the engagement that we went through in the discovery phase and all throughout last year, but it's also really um, you know, hitting that North Star of where this organization needs to head into the future. So I'm gonna walk through um, the draft plan with you guys today. Um, and you know, who did we talk to? Uh, we talked to so many people, we were grateful Really grateful for everyone's time. Um, you know, we, we issued an external insights document as um, a supporting document to this meeting, if you're curious to go into the details and the data of the engagement. But to get a really holistic view of where SFPL needs to head into the future, we engaged uh, key partners. Those are city departments and CBOs. We in, engaged our internal staff through many different methods and means up and down the organization. Um, and really importantly, the public at large, all throughout the city of San Francisco. And that includes all 11 districts um, with a special attention to priority populations. And before I jump into the plan, I just want to give a big, big thank you and so much gratitude to our staff ambassadors, who some of them are in the room today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Um, you really deserve a hand, a round of applause. Um, so these 32 uh, staff members from up and down the whole organization um, representing all divisions really helped the consultant team understand the core strengths and opportunities at SFPL. Um, helped us co-create the draft plan components you're going to see today, um, and really provided um, feedback and guidance throughout the whole process. So we just, as a consultant team, want to say thank you for your trust, thank you for your creativity, uh, thank you for your time. It's been a wild ride, um, as you can see on the pictures and the pictures here. Um, I want to tell one anecdote um, that happened at this meeting in December, um, which was really special. We were really trying to dial in where the vision needed to be. We were very close, but we want to get it just right. And one ambassador suggested, why don't we just end it with for everyone? And it was the most simple, elegant solution that we needed at that time, and so representative of how the staff have really built and authored this plan with us um, from the ground up. In that same December meeting, um, as you can see here, we took the plan and we really put it to a test. We tested scenarios in small groups, real world scenarios that might staff encounter and really used the plan to test that it could be that directional north star for the organization. And overwhelmingly, the, the feedback was very positive. We have testimonials. I'll just read one quote on the screen here. Um, I think the plan will help us stretch beyond what we do right now, but also feels really familiar and aligned with what we say we are and our meaning to the community. 
Um, so, you know, it was a really great finale to a series of co-creation sessions and just want to mention that these 32 ambassadors will be really crucial to the implementation phase of this plan and be kind of helping leadership and the organization um, see this plan through in the coming years. So let's jump right into the plan. Um, what you see on the screen here are all the components of the plan organized in a simple graphic. So at the core, at the core and center of the plan in yellow, we have the vision, mission, and values. And these are what's guiding every decision that SFPL makes, and all other components of the plan that you see surrounding it will support realizing the vision, mission, and values at the core. What you see on the top in the green band are the more external facing strategic priorities. And these are specific roles that SFPL will embody to best serve the community. Um, the blue band at the bottom are the organizational shifts. These are more internal facing, and these are the shifts in our service model that really guide and direct where the organization needs to go in terms of realizing the vision, mission, values, and strategic priorities. So in the next series of pages, I'm going to walk through these three components and really go into detail on each one. So first and most importantly, our vision. A democratic, equitable, and vibrant San Francisco for everyone is the vision for the city's future. Democratic communicates that we strive for a city governed for and by the people. Equitable speaks to a city where all, have, all groups have access and resources and opportunities necessary to live their lives. Vibrant really captures that energy and diversity that we hope for in the future, and everyone helps get at what's unique about the library. It's one of the only places where truly everybody is welcome. And I want to just note here that we are speaking in the first person to kind of pay a nod to um, the familiarity and the closeness and the integration that SFPL already has with its communities. And I think that's something that we heard in the feedback in all of the community outreach that your organization is by far the most um, approachable and trusted city organization. And I think that's something to really celebrate and lean into. Next, we have our mission. Um, so this is really how SFPL brings that vision on the last slide to life, right? So this is connect our diverse communities to learning opportunities and each other. Connect is really shifting from the passive providing access to the active role of connecting. Um, diverse communities recognizes that different places in the city and different neighborhoods need different things. Um, learning opportunities and each other identifies the outcomes that we all strive for um, to really go towards the goal of enriching lives. And finally, as we round out that center part of the diagram, values. Um, these draft values are what gu will guide SFPL's behavior and beliefs within the organization. So at the top, we have well-being. We prioritize well-being by creating a safe, respectful, supportive environment. Equity, advancing equity by providing access to free, high-quality resources. Community, um, strengthening communities when we come together to engage. Collaboration, of course, we embrace diverse perspectives through collaboration. And finally, exploration. You know, how do we inspire all to harness the power of learning and discovery? And so that rounds out the center of that diagram. Now I'm going to move to that top green, green arc of the diagram where we look at strategic priorities, those externally facing strategic priorities with our communities. I'm going to walk through each of these five with a real world example to illustrate each one. Um, up first, our first strategic priority is SFPL as literacy champion. 
where the library helps cultivate the critical literacies necessary for meaningful participation in society. And what do we mean by critical literacies? Um, this is associated with the 21st century skill set. So not only reading and writing, but media literacy, technology literacy, civic literacy as well. Um, literacy champions also where we'll tackle some of the kindergarten reading readiness, um, bridging educational gaps, expanding on programs that are already happening, and the scope of core literacy programs such as FOG, Storytime, FOG Readers, Storytime, and The Bridge. And so a great industry example on the left is at Hartford Public Library, the new immigrant center. Um, this is a center that um, offers training in digital and English and financial literacies for new immigrants. And the sketch on the right is something that came out of our staff workshops, um, a really innovative idea of, you know, or what is an early child, what would an early childhood hub look like? Um, someplace where, um, you know, dedicated spaces that offers activities like singing, rhyming, maybe facial expression classes, and really that kindergarten readiness programming. Our second uh, strategic priority, SFPL as cultural amplifier. Um, so this means continuing to facilitate cultural experiences that deepen the understanding of our diverse communities. Some strategies under this one might include enabling creators and with the tools and knowledge to explore passions and increase opportunities, um, and also facilitating cultural exchanges to better understand ourselves and one another in the city. Um, and a great example, a well-known example, which is really exciting, is the Jay-Z exhibit in Brooklyn Public. Everybody loves it. Um, it's an immersive experience. It's an immersive place where, um, you know, we can sh they showcase one of Brooklyn's most well-known artists, but also really engenders local pride in the neighborhood um, and really inspires the next generation of artists. Our third strategic priority is community catalyzer. Um, where SFPL will foster experiences within and beyond the library to strengthen social connections. And from all the outreach we heard, overwhelmingly, this is such a direct response to what the community is asking for. They're requesting the library to help combat social isolation. And as we've seen in the Surgeon General's recent report, um, you know, the epidemic of loneliness across the country right now is a really serious one. And this one directly responds to that, um, creating shared experiences, intergenerational experiences is a strategy here, connecting with community members that might not use the library, um, and really programs that encourage and strengthen civic engagement. So a really fun example here is on the right, um, we just sketched out. The uh, staff ambassadors and staff thought about what if we made intergenerational affinity groups to connect different generations around skills and hobbies and interests. This could take place in a garden um, while you're doing things. It's really easy, a low stress way of connecting with people that you might not connect with in your ordinary life. Um, so you know, this is just a sketch example of what that might look like. Um, and fourth, um, we have Thoughtful Navigator. SFPL is Thoughtful Navigator, which is all about being that knowledgeable and caring gateway to help people realize, um, you know, help people in the city um, connect to and find library, community, and city resources to help realize their goals. This really expands and builds on what staff is already doing so well, but formalizes and really um, grows that. So this focuses on taking a personal approach um, to guiding various populations to the right service, um, and specifically immigrants, um, high need residents, newcomers, and families. 
Um, one great example from Durham County Library on the left in the industry, um, these digital navigators program. Uh, and this program helps patrons find where they can learn tech skills, low cost devices, where they can you know, apply for internet free, free or low cost internet at home. And our last strategic priority here, our fifth one, is resource provider. So SFPL as resource provider will deliver the experiences and guidance that supports basic needs, encourages personal growth, and enriches life in San Francisco. And this really plays off of a lot of the library's traditional core services. So things like we know, providing books, media and equipment, and space to align with the community's interests, but also things like um, you know, using the library's collections to inspire skill building and passion development, and also supporting personal growth and the love of learning at all stages of a patron's life. And uh, staff aspiration on the right, um, some ideas around this one. What if we had a teen mental health support space or many spaces throughout the library system that were designated areas for teens to decompress, kind of learn about and process their emotions with trained staff, available resources, and maybe even some therapy animals. Um, so that was a lot. I'm going to take a pause. Um, I just covered the five strategic priorities on the top of the circle. Now we're going to shift to the bottom uh, six organizational shifts at the bottom of that diagram. And just a reminder, these are more inward focusing um, and really getting at to the shifts that we need to make in the service model in order to realize and deliver on the vision, mission, values, and strategic priorities. So I'm going to walk through each of these six. Um, the first prioritize the community. And going forward, what this really means is the development of every program or initiative should start with the anchoring the needs of that in the specific community it's intended to benefit. So big opportunity here would be um, creating consistent com community engagement feedback loops to directly inform the development of new programs or offerings, leveraging diverse expertise of our partners, community, and especially our staff. Our second organizational shift here is all about adopting a growth mindset for the entire organization to evolve and change. Um, a big opportunity here is emphasizing discovery over achievement, uh, creating space and time to experiment with new approaches, and focusing on professional development growth um, for our staff. A third, and very related to the second, um, the third organizational shift is all about embracing collaboration, partnerships, and network creation to really amplify impact across our city. Um, these things include you know, building on existing trusted relationships with other city partners, and really evolving an internal culture and way of working to embrace diverse staff perspectives in everything that we do. The fourth shift is to proactively connect patrons to our services um, with a focus on driving awareness and equitable access. Um, two big opportunities to call out here. Um, one, redistributing specialized services maybe to off-site or non-main branches to really increase access for high urgency groups. Um, and another one is to reinforce, we found a lot through our, through our outreach that there's points in a person's life where connection with the library lapses. Um, so what are those ways that we can um, re-engage folks where their connection lapses? 
our fifth organizational shift and a fun one, um, amplify the joy and wonder of the library to create experiences that truly reflect the unexpected delight of our city. And I just wanna stop and say, you know, we heard almost in every focus group here that the library is really this beacon of joy in people's lives. Um, you know, people would get emotional about it. This is really the bright spot in people's lives in San Francisco. It's, you know, their favorite place to be in their city um, and such a, a, a place that um, just brings so much joy to folks and feels so lucky to have it in their lives. So it's something to really lean into and celebrate here. Um, opportunities here include better utilizing diverse skill sets of our staff um, and, you know, creating those experiences that surprise and spark curiosity. And as we close out with our last organizational shift, um, but one that's an essential to realize um, the library's full potential, uh, promote the well-being and safety of staff and community members while still remaining a welcoming place for all. Um, you know, opportunities here might include um, leading the charge on fighting some innovative solutions and sustainable solutions for safety that all urban libraries are facing right now, um, and really better supporting staff health and well-being. So that was a lot of talking. We come back to this diagram, and now we see how all of those bits and pieces and components come back together. Um, so just again, in the center, the vision, mission, and values are at the core of everything we do. The strategic priorities at the top are externally facing how we show up for our community. The lower uh, blue organizational shifts are really internal shifts we need to make in our service model in order to realize everything above in the diagram. And so just taking a step back from all those components and strategies and ideas and opportunities, how do we get this done? Um, so as we look at short, medium, and long-term goals, we see the work falling into three major phases with a lot of overlap and blurriness in between. Um, phase one, really organizational impact. How do we build a purposeful culture where staff are living and breathing these values and really learning the skills and capabilities to deliver on this plan? As we move into phase two, it's kind of expands to community impact and a library that is genuinely community-centered and how it works and delivers every day. And then phase three is the comprehensive impact where we're starting to see SFPL is fully realizing this plan and broadening its impact across the city. So I will stop talking soon. This is um, the end of the presentation, but as we look ahead to the next meeting, we're gonna be presenting the final strategic plan components on March 21st to you. And what you'll see in that presentation is the feedback that you're gonna tell us today, incorporate it into the plan, um, and also some more details on implementation strategies and a bit more detail on the plan overall. And so I'd love to invite Allie Holmes up here with me to help answer your questions and kind of guide discussion. Does this plan components, the draft plan components you saw today communicate a clarity of purpose around community outcomes that we all desire for the organization and what parts are resonating with you? And of course, questions and comments. Thank you so much. Thank you, Midori. Um, thank you very much. Um, really appreciate the very thorough presentation and even the, the speed at which you got through it, but with uh, ability to comprehend it. Um, before we open this up for discussion among the, uh, my fellow commissioners, we're gonna open this up for our general public discussion here in Karat Auditorium. So I invite members of the public to make public comment. Public comments now open.
Good evening, commissioners. My name is Marcial Gamino Murphy. I am the meeting room coordinator for the San Francisco Public Library. And this past year, I am incredibly grateful to have been recognized as an ambassador and to have the opportunity to participate in the strategic planning process. It has been an honor to collectively understand the direction of the organization and the ambitious goals and objectives we aspire to achieve, aspire to inspire. Additionally, I'm thankful for the chance to gain valuable insights into the strengths of the San Francisco Public Library. Participating in this strategic planning process with my fellow ambassadors has been a truly enriched enriching experience. They are simply brilliant. I'm one of them. Um, <laughs> I'm grateful for this chance to exchange ideas and perspectives. The inclusivity of everyone in this process not only fosters a sense of accountability among us, but also allows me to feel deeply connected to the organization's mission. I genuinely appreciate the opportunity to be part of this process. It keeps me well informed about the organizational objectives, enabling me to focus and actively contribute to the realization of our identified goals. It has been and will continue to be an empowering experience. Thank you. Further public comment? Peter, Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117 0544. Uh, I find this uh, plan very problematic. Uh, I think that the library's existing mission statement is a very nice one, and I've said that before free and equal access to a variety of things, including joys of reading for our diverse community. And I don't see what's wrong with that, nor do I see how specifically this is going to uh, basically do what the library's traditional uh, role has always been, as far as I'm concerned, the education, enlightenment, entertainment, through its collections, uh, which is one of its strongest assets, and through its existing staff, which librarians in particular, uh, is among its most valuable assets. Uh, there's a particular sort of uh, comment here on page 18, connect our diverse communities, shifts SFPL from the passive role of providing access to the more active role of connecting. I don't see what is passive about the library making access to good quality and broadly varied and worthwhile material. I don't see that as passive at all. I certainly see that the library, I don't think, is sufficiently uh, working to let people know what its own assets are. It's constantly touting how to do this and that on the internet or how to do this or that uh, uh, software. But it doesn't have basic uh, and regular education about what the library's assets are, in particular things like databases, things like newspapers, magazines, uh, any kind of sort of media uh, understanding of what's available um, and comparisons. Um, 
The library's tremendous resources seem to be neglected here, staff and collections, books in particular, there's not one word of book, books, read, reading, uh, there's two mentions of collections in general. Uh, and I think there's a clear direction of debookification, of technologification, and the library hasn't done so well in the past. In, in, this, in an annual uh, survey of city services, the library last year dropped a notch. It's still high, but it dropped a notch. I haven't seen any look into in depth by you or the administration. Why was that? And uh, certainly uh, your ally document that you haven't mentioned, people do mention books and librarians and other. Thank you very much. Any further public comment on this agenda item here in Corret Auditorium? Seeing that there's no further um, public comment, public comment is now closed on this item. And we'll now turn to discussion um, with the commissioners. So if any of you want to stand up, because I'm sure there will be questions and um, some more uh, requests for more information. Um, before I turn it over to my fellow commissioners, I just want to um, thank um, the incredible team who worked on this. Um, thank you so much for your effort. In particular, I want to thank Randall for his leadership. Um, I also know that the entire staff was involved in this in so many different ways, so I'm really grateful for their time, their interests, their efforts, not only in their day jobs, but also to really imagine something really bold and um, very impactful for our communities. Um, I also want to thank my fellow Commissioner um, Pete, Vice President Pete Huang, for his service as a volunteer to really um, provide uh, a, a different kind of a, um, viewpoint and approach to how all this works. And finally, I just want to thank Michael for your leadership. I thought your comments at the beginning setting the stage was really helpful and um, really thoughtful and really helps position um, what we're trying to achieve here. So thank you. Um, so now is our chance to ask questions, make comments, because the next chance will be to approve this in March. So speak now or forever hold your peace. So um, I'm going to turn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to um, um, invite um, Vice President Huang to make some comments and ask some questions or whatever you'd like to offer. Thank you. And thank you, for, Midori, for walking us through everything. Um, again, thank you to so many people for this past year for, for all of this wonderful input that leads to this. Uh, staff ambassadors, our community, our partner organizations, other department heads, the M team, uh, the consultants, obviously, uh, the, the the core working group. I think every month showed um, so much progress in in understanding what this organization is. Um, and personally, when I started this process, I didn't know that the last time we had updated this was 1996. It's crazy to me. Um, and to your point, I think it's um, it's the right time to do this. I think if if you had asked the community today or a year from now or five years from now that you know the library is still operating under a direction that was set in the late 90s, I think they would be rather concerned, right? And so um, that, that's um, the, the, the first part I'll say. The second part I'll say is um, just to, I, I guess my perspective when I, when I see this plan, um, having seen it sort of um, come to fruition and, and just to caveat everything, I didn't do much. I think it was pretty much everyone else. I just sort of like attended a meeting here or there and uh, made a few comments. But what, what speaks most to me about this plan is um, 
it represents so much clarity to me in what the library means to our patrons. Um, and I say that because, the, as Michael was saying in his opening, the um, traditional idea of a library, again, that passive idea of you submit a request for a book, look, we'll give you the book if we have it. And, and it's the library just saying, we will give you what we have and that's it, and, and that is it, and we only do things when a patron sends in a request. Um, that does not represent most people's experience with the library today. If, if we were doing just that, then we would not be giving away free books at, at community events. We would not be helping the recently incarcerated re-enter into, into their um, uh, sort of post-incarceration lives, right? We would not be doing all this fantastic programming that we have every single day uh, across all of our um, branches and, and here at the main, right? Like most people's lived experiences with library is not that, and that is just the frank reality, right? What, would, what it does feel like is the word connect, and I love that it shows up so much in this plan because it acknowledges perhaps for the first time in this sort of organizational wide document that this is just the, the frank reality of the changing nature of libraries across the country. Right? Like every library of all the ones that you cited in your presentation are dealing with this, right? Like what is the identity of the library? And for us, uh, I love that we have found the word connect because it really does to me represent um, what we get to do and what the organization and the staff do so well um, in, in getting people to, again, see each other, um, see themselves in a new light, see opportunities and knowledge, right? Like that means so much to me. Um, so anyways, I, I think it's really an important moment for us to consider because, um, again, the library, yes, it is about reading. It is about books. We say that in the document, right? It is there. It also means all these different things where we are now changing our service model to uh, be in places that we would not have been in 15 years ago that were not possible 15 years ago. We're working with organizations that we don't have, didn't have strong relationships with uh, again, 10, 15 years ago, right? All that has changed because of um, a wonderful leadership, wonderful management, wonderful staff that has made that happen and is an organic expression of where we feel like the library ought to be. And this is an, um, that codified. Um, and, and that one page that we see this, this, this dial, right, I think is a pretty good summary of, of uh, what it means today. And I think what I'm also excited about is the next few years as we implement this, um, it's sort of, put it like this, right? Like if we have been doing all this amazing work under the previous sort of strategic vision and plan and all that sort of stuff wasn't even set on paper, like what do we do when we do like fully recognize that that's what we've been doing and that's what we've been pushing towards, right? It gets really interesting to me. Um, so anyways, uh, monologue aside, I don't have any questions or anything, um, but just wanted to lay out my perspective on why I think this was um, such an important thing for us to do and why I think um, this document really represents um, what this organization is today and, and, and ought to be tomorrow. Um, thank you very much, um, Vice President Huang. You may feel like you didn't do much, but just, just how you articulated this was really um, meaningful and very inspiring, so thank you. Um, further comments from uh, Commissioner Mall. Well, for fear of being thrown off the dais here. <laughs> I don't think we would do that. <laughs> I mean, it would be very frowned upon. It would be frowned upon. We're respectful here. 
Okay, well, I'm very respectful of the work that you've all done, and I'm especially respectful of the work the staff has done, period. However, I was a skeptic going in, and I'm still a skeptic, just saying. So for my understanding, this is like 12 things too many. I don't understand why there has to be the outer circle, the under circle, and then the circle in the middle. Um, I think it's, you know, you, you covered every little thing the library does. I don't think that's necessary myself. I'd re much rather see a more focused, um, streamlined elevator pitch, if you will, um, description of what the plan for the library is. Some of the language um, I, I'm dead set against, like the amplified joy and wonder, sorry, but it just, um, it just screams at me that this is, um, I hate to use the word silly, but uh, I don't think it reflects the, uh, I think people, yes, they, they feel joy when they're in the library, of course, and reading, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing more joyful than reading a great book, frankly. Um, but I think you've expressed that in other areas here. The thing that I'm a little disappointed in, that I'm a lot disappointed in, is the, the things that you um, use as examples, I think are wonderful. The, you know, the information about navigating the neighborhood, the innovation hub, the teen mental health center, um, I wouldn't even put the Jay-Z exhibit, I, I, because that is a one-off that we can't even replicate here. So I wouldn't even, I mean, of course that's fantastic. But um, the early childhood of the new immigrant center, I mean, yes, these are all wonderful ideas. But um, unless we have a different physical plant, especially right here, uh, it's going to be very hard to implement any of these. Um, I think I've mentioned on the commission that I visited some libraries in Europe last summer where they have all these comfy chairs and, I mean, everything looks like a living room and you just want to, you know, sit down and get comfy with your neighbors and your community. I mean, you can barely find a chair to sit in in this library. Um, and nonetheless, a comfortable chair. But I think that many of these ideas um, just don't line up with the facts on the ground. I might have more, but those are my initial thoughts. Um, thank you, Susan. I think um, I, I love this extreme of comments, and I think this is why we're all here, why we were all on the commission and invited to serve and have this opportunity. Um, and I, I just wanted to add my two cents to what you said because I don't disagree with several of the things you said, but I also feel like um, part of the, the the challenge is to align what we have and these ambitions and find a way as part of the movement going forward, how do we make that happen? Yeah, but that is not reflected in any of this. I mean, I feel like it's sort of an outer space here compared to the reality that we have. I think, well, it, my perspective on this is if you take the flip side of this, which is if you don't um, put aspirational examples, does that? Yeah end up preventing people from even trying in the first place. 
I would love for people to try. <laughs> if we don't get there, fine. But like, I think it will, I think that is, um, from my perspective again, like that will be the exercise and there will be work and there will be trade-offs and there will be um, different ideas or modifications that don't feel like the original inspiration um, because we were forced to, to match the dream with sort of what we have, sure. But I'd rather have that than, than not try. Okay. I is this okay that we have this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm all for the aspiration. All for it. But it seems to me, and I could be all wrong in my definition of what a strategic plan is, but then it would seem to me that if, if our goal is all these things, which one? Um, where is the priority? How are we approaching? And then we're back where we started from before we had it. Um, an in-depth strategic plan. Okay, these are great ideas, but. I think, um, again, my view on this, love anyone to jump in. Uh, <laughs> it's, this gives us the framework to decide amongst a list of projects. Who decides? Staff. Staff, we, when we approve we, the budget. We do, we do. I mean, this is the promised land. This is where we're going. This is what it feels like. So to me, this is, this is not a list of projects to do. I, I think we're not in a position to do that, and I don't think this is, that, that's not what this is intended to be. But to your point, like when faced with a list of projects, how do you decide? I think it ought to be these things that sort of guide that discussion. Okay, well you have a circle here. <laughs> so this isn't a list. I mean, this is, you know, which of these items gets more weight than others. How do you decide? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, yeah. Go Michael, go ahead and, and. I love this feedback, by the way. This is excellent. And Susan, I love your feedback. Um, you're not going to throw me off the commission. No, 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 not at all, because <laughs> you're, you're adding value in this moment. And I just want to back up. When we started this, our aspiration was to dream big and to, to develop a bold vision for the future of the San Francisco Public Library. So I want to reassure you, the framework that we've been operating under, it, it's different, but it's not too dissimilar than that page that you're looking at. I think the biggest change is incorporating this new dimension of internal organizational shifts and naming those. But I can assure you that the concise ability to do the elevator pitch and, and articulate our vision you know, um, for a more democratic, equitable, and vibrant San Francisco where our staff are helping our residents live their best lives and our mission of connecting our residents to ideas, to conversations, to opportunities, to learning, to each other, um, you know, we, we have this new framework, the strategic priorities that we've been operating under, literacy and learning, youth engagement, partnerships for excellence, organizational excellence. We now have five updated strategic priorities. I could see in some of the future public facing collateral not even showing the organizational shifts because that is actually more internal. Um, with regards to amplify joy and wonder, it's not a hill for us to die on. If, if you all decide that we should peel that out, 
we can. That this is your moment. We're still going to amplify joy and wonder, whether we name that as a guest. Amplify joy and wonder. Just don't write it down with all the other things. (laughs) But I I just want (laughs) to say that you know your your feedback is on point, and we hear you, and that's why we're having this conversation because we want to refine this before we bring it back in in March. And and finally, I just want to thank Pete for also framing this with your experience and. Uh, I just want to assure you as well, you were a key contributor and helped guide us throughout. Can I? Yes, uh, Commissioner Ono. Currently, f- with our budget, we, we base it on the old strategic priorities that we had. Going forward, we'll be using these new five strategic priorities to build the future budgets. That's correct. That, and like you said, the Organizational shifts are mostly internal, and it's, it's to help us or help you and your staff implement the priorities. Exactly. Okay, so <laughs> we will also be approving in March not only the vision, mission, and values priorities and shifts, but the main thing is are we, are we changing our mission and that's what we're going to be mainly um, voting on. Well, that is the key action. You all will be voting to update our bylaws and incorporate the updated mission. But by default, you're also blessing the new strategic plan. And um, I, I, I want to come back to something else that Susan mentioned. You're absolutely right. The reality of our facilities, they were designed with a different sensibility. Right. And uh, Maureen can speak to this as well, but the, the new strategic framework, this was foundational before we can do the next step, which is going to be facilities master planning, because we need to reimagine our spaces if we are going to achieve the vision. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Maureen. Right. So really, yes, the next step is a facilities master plan. So we need to understand what is the service model we're thinking about and and trying to achieve. How do our current facilities meet or not that ability? And, uh, And then you have to figure out what does it take to change them? Are there things that are more cosmetic? Are there things that are, um, you know, true renovations? And then prioritizing how we would do that, and then eventually costing out what it would be to to do those things. So my grandchildren <laughs> will um, be able to appreciate those <laughs> changes. Well, hopefully more uh, sooner than that. I mean, I mean, things do sometimes move at yeah. glacial speed in bureaucracy, and in, mm-hmm. as we know, because approvals have to go through many yeah, different steps. I know. But I do think, um, I mean, one of the reasons I love that Pete's been on the strategic plan is like, it's his generation that's going to inherit this and that we're preparing for, and that really is really critical. Um, we were all raised with a different service model, and... Um, so I think this is really important to imagine afresh. Okay, other comments? Could we, could we possibly see in this strategic plan the um, aspiration, if that's the right word, or the goal of the um, facilities changes to go along with this? Absolutely. So that element will be in the next iteration of this in the organizational shifts category. There will be... 
uh, elements of space considerations for probably each of those organizational shifts. Mm -hmm. So we have been so talking in March, about that. So in March, we might see that? Okay, well, that'll make me feel way better. Yeah. Okay. Sure? No. Well, I'm not sure. No. <laughs> but um, there's, I mean, until we started discussing it this minute, there hadn't been any discussion of that going forward. Right. I mean, from our perspective, first things first. Yeah. Okay. I understand what you're saying. I understand that. Okay. Thanks. I think, Susan, part of the challenge, and for me as well, is just understanding what is what is a strategic plan? Like, what does, uh -huh. at this stage, because there's so many next stages that happen based on what we agree on, then everything kind of, then it just like explodes from there. And it, if it's, if the strategic plan is good, it will touch every single part of this institution. Okay. Any further comments? Oh, wait, wait. wait. I have, um, since I have the microphone on. <laughs> uh, has the staff signed off on all this? I know the ambassadors obviously have worked with you, but has the whole staff, I mean, do they get a vote? Do they get, what do they get? Well, <laughs> they've had the opportunity throughout to provide feedback and you know, we will also present this information to them again, mm -hmm. um, you know, this spring. Um, so we wanted to get stronger affirmation about the cum cumulative effort to date from the commission. But that, of course, we're going to have to communicate this plan um, continuously. I mean, this is really in some ways, the start of a conversation, mm -hmm. that this is the new vision, the new mission, and the management team, it's gonna be our job to operationalize this mm -hmm. and put some you know, smart goals to this and key performance indicators. So that is all yet to come. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. Um, you can always chime back in, and we know you will if you have something to say. Um, um, Commissioner Lopez. Um, first of all, I want to thank the ambassadors, the 32 of them, and the team. I know firsthand that you have been at events, you have been uh, at different branches, and you've been everywhere. And I really appreciate the fact that you reached out, and those focus groups and the surveys, you really worked really hard to get a diverse voice, and it was intentional, and I really appreciate that, and um, I see it reflected. Um, I do have to agree with Commissioner Mall on the amplifier joy and wonder. Uh, it reminds me of like a slogan for Disneyland or something like that, and I, and, and I think that if we just leave it as amplifying wonder, joy is so subjected, and it's what I feel like, well, that's what we hope that our patrons feel. Um, but joy, like, you know, many times the, the, the library serves as a purpose for non so joyful things as well. Um, and so, so I, for me, that that's one of the things that when I read it, it also doesn't sound like, it, it, it sounds like talking type of 
message, you know, like, yeah, find your joy. But that's just, uh, that's just me. And so in that sense, I do agree with uh, Commissioner Mall. Um, I, in general, um, I know that this is moving forward and, and the vision is to how do we improve ourselves? How do we make ourselves better? Um, what comes after is not really up to the ambassadors or the, the company. It's going to be up to everybody to make sure that we just don't file this paper and, and go into uh, a shelf to collect us. But this is a live um, document that we need to act on and hold each other accountable. Um, so that's how I see it. Um, I, I really, um, there's a lot to observe and I probably will have more questions, but for now, I think that that's my only comment or concern. So. Um, thank you. Do you mind, before I turn to you, to just, if I can follow up on the issue of the joy and wonder, just because I think um, it, we might make some progress here. Um, I think that the other phrase that you used in the presentation that I thought was really strong was spark curiosity. That was a really power, that felt a little bit more um, grounded um, versus the joy issue. I think this phrase also embrace feeling and emotion inducing experiences. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, that one just yeah. kind of actually, <laughs> I think it's an odd phrase of words strung together, and I'm not even sure what it means, and it makes me a little nervous. Um, but I just think that just hearing from um, Commissioner Lopez and Commissioner Mall, um, the idea of, jo of, of you know, joy and wonder, um, I think that the idea also of spark curiosity was something that feels a little more substantial. Can I make one comment? When I saw joy and wonder, I always think of, and I mentioned this earlier to somebody, Project Read and the FOG program, because it, when you see the joy on the kid, ch a child's face, and it's teaching them how to read, and so also with the adults. So I didn't have as much problems with joy and wonder because to me, that's what reading does. It brings you joy and it makes you wonder. But I do like what you just said, um, Commissioner Wolf. The other phrase might be a little bit better than amplifying joy and wonder. We can, yeah, this is a draft so we can workshop it and really come up with a better iteration that everyone feels great. better about. Yeah. That would be great. So now I'm going to turn it back to um, Commissioner Bolander for his comments. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for the presentation and all the hard work. Um, this is never trivial. Um, it's never easy. A lot of times people don't understand that this is the vision to the promised land. Like in 20 years, we'll get there. Not today, not next week. It's the year. It takes a lot of time. Um, a lot of time and effort. And one of the things that I really like about trying to visualize it this way is that I always have this saying that what gets remembered gets repeated. And the biggest challenge any strategic plan has in any organization is alignment throughout the entire organization. And so <clears throat> I do like the idea of having a, like a, a big idea of what this is, a, a elevator pitch, 
that really just encapsulates it, that goes beyond vision, mission, values, that sort of brings it to life in a way that's not, that, that anyone, anywhere, at any level of the organization can repeat. Because the, the challenge is always going to be alignment. I mean, you, you saw there's seven of us here, and the alignment is right? I think the thing about amplify joy and wonder, I, I think that's mainly for the staff. I read this and I see that the staff doesn't f either feel like they can do that or wants to do that more or wants to really embrace the joy of their job. Maybe that's just not coming through, um, especially when it comes to well-being and safety. I think these two things sort of tie in together. And whatever word you all want to use, I don't really care. Joy and wonder seems a little weird, but, but I think that's from the staff's perspective, not from the patron's perspective. Because you're right, and I think you probably might be. I mean, I think the joy of reading is one thing for the patrons. Yeah. And I think that a strategic plan that talks about um, don't shoot me. I won't shoot this. you. Of okay. course not. But course the joy not. of the staff. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, well, how many org? I mean, well, well, and 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 I can appreciate that. But we, this is a unique place. It's not like a company. Like, yeah, who cares if you really love your job? People here love their job, and they want to showcase they love their job. And it's dealing with the public. It's there's a mission here that goes beyond anything that any corporate. Walk, yes, I agree, go, and right? I think the safety is the primary. I think you can be yes. You can't be joyful if you're that scared to death. One hundred percent. But I also think what seems to me again, and I may be wrong, but this is what I this is kind of my gut, is that staff is not given the opportunity to experience the joy in what they do because of all these other things, and they want to be included, and in. they want they want to be like, look, yes, we bring joy to people. But also, we want to enjoy our jobs, and I think that's the I think that's the nexus of it. I don't know, but that just seems to me after I read all this sort of stuff. Well, um, uh, Jari, Commissioner Bolander, you hit the nail on the head in that this plan was co-created with staff. Right. So this was the leadership challenge of this endeavor. Yep. It was bottom up. Yep. And yep. I want to invite our chief of community programs and partnerships up here. I'm going to put her on the spot because she is one of the most joyful and wonderful <laughs> staff in the entire organization. Um, and before I tee it up for her, I just want to share my perspective. So I've heard Disney, which is an exemplar for delivering a certain kind of experience. They're hailed widely as an industry leader and in customer service excellence. So from my perspective, when I see Amplify Joy and Wonder, I'm looking at it from a service model standpoint where every public-facing staff member, every staff member in the organization really is an ambassador for the organization. You could argue we're all performing every moment in some form or fashion where when we're engaging with our public. So trying to really deliver that delightful experience. That's, that's how I interpret this, but Michelle will say this much more eloquently and have 
probably a, a much different twist than how I'm thinking about it. So please, Michelle. We, we're, we're always aligned, but differently. Um, well, I mean, one of the things that comes to me about keeping this in, and many of you have said the, the things that I was thinking of that our staff need to hear it too. But I just think about me, you know, taking it to a really personal level and thinking of me as a, as a little girl with a single mom and a latchkey kid that went to the library every day. That joy of entering that place was really important to me. And I feel like we continue to need to amplify that. And that's why my kids grew up with that joy of going to the library. Every library day was special. And I don't, I, I know that it seems silly sort of to include it, but I do think that if we don't like, like, make that one of our foundational statements of what we are as, a, as an organization, then it will go by the wayside. It's really easy to get caught up in all the really important things we do, teaching people computer skills, you know, helping the jars people, but we also, in all of that work of teaching people computer skills and giving them in, helping the reentry from jars and giving jail, you know, giving our incarcerated individuals books, is that we want them to know that when they come to the library, they're gonna feel joy that whatever situation they're in right now, they might not, but when they come here, they will. Yeah, and I think that joy starts with the staff feeling joy. Because if people are not joyful at work, then they're not gonna project that. Okay. And I, also, I just wanna say, I think what I'm hearing from everybody is that there is a really positive force of having joy in this, but I don't think that what we've just been discussing is actually reflected in the language that's on this page. And I think that needs to come more in alignment in terms of your, your keen observations about staff, your personal experiences, what we, we've all been saying. I think that there's a disconnect. I think there's a, I think a better sense of embracing this idea, but I don't think that it's connected to the language on the page. Yes, I think that's a very um, fair and descriptive um, analysis of what we've been saying. I think what we want, what we all want, is for the staff to feel satisfied and, and happy in their jobs. I mean, I don't know about joy. And <laughs> job. I mean, it's a job. Well, yeah, but, it's, okay. a, it's a job, and, but you know. And at the same time, we want kids to come in, both, and feel that there's something special about the library and they feel safe and they feel comfortable and it can be a home away from home, what you described very, very beautifully actually. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's reflected in this. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. there's a disconnect Absolutely. that you need to workshop. So I would say that's your, one of your takeaways from this session is for you to kind of right. listen to what we all had to say and find a better way of connecting that. And let's just be, remember there are 900 people who are employed here at the San Francisco Public Library, that is a lot of people. And over half of the budget is to support those people. So we do have an investment to make sure that the staff is joyful in their experiences. That is critical oh, yeah, given yeah. who we are. Yeah, or however it manifests. Or at least happy. Well, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they should be feel, you know, fulfilled and supported right. and they're what they want to do with their life and the needs yeah. that they have, right? And I think the last comment I'll say is that um, the only thing anyone's ever going to remember is this, okay? This has got to be like rock star solid, right? Like when I go explain this to someone, 
I need to be able, me, all of us, because right. we are all ambassadors here. When someone's going to be like, oh, explain the strategic plan, and us knuckleheads can't do it, that's not good. Right. So, exactly. so we need to make sure, all of us, and this is what I'm going to use, none of this other stuff, I'm going to be like, okay, well, let me take you through this. This is, this is the only thing anyone's going to remember, and this is going to be powerful. And so, really, again, appreciate the staff and all the leadership and, and your, and your um, having to put up with us. But also, you know, this is hard stuff, and it's good stuff, and, you know, we're going to set ourselves up for some great, great work. And thank you, everyone. And, yeah, that's it refine this and this is a draft so you know yeah we really appreciate all these comments we're gonna go back to the drawing board on some issues and you'll see a new great iter a new iteration soon so. so any further public comment i mean public no public comment <laughs> we're members of the public right but we happen to be commissioners today so um i just want to conclude by reiterating our gratitude um, for this, for listening to us, for responding, for I want to thank my fellow commissioners. I thought today's discussion was really robust and wonderful. We don't often have the chance to actually go back and forth and try and get to the source of what the issues are. And Susan, I always thank you for bringing up these ideas. And um, we're not kicking you off anywhere anytime no. soon. No way. No, but I just, I, you know, and and you know, Pete, you began the conversation with such a beautiful um, vision of what this library has the potential to do. I just want to remind us that the San Francisco Public Library is a leader, and we can't ever forget the leadership role we can play not only in our communities, but around the world. And if we do not take that stance of being bold and, and taking the leap forward and taking a few risks, um, we are not serving our population and what they've asked us and voted on us to do. And so it's not only providing services, but also being very San Franciscan in being bold and really forward thinking. I mean, drag queen story hour, um, the social workers in the library, the library preservation fund. I mean, the list in five years should be on, on both hands. We should be able to just keep counting the things that we are doing to set a standard for other communities who may not have the resources to try and kind of make that um, passageway. So I also just want to say, um, Michael, your comments at the beginning were really powerful and that setting the stage. And one of the things that dawned on me, because when I looked at how many people you have touched to come to this point, I think when the strategic plan is kind of finalized, um, it would be wonderful for you to write a letter and with some highlights to all the participants. Um, your fellow um, leaders of other um, departments in the city, anyone who sent in an email address or participated, I think having that kind of communication that they've participated and this is what we've done with their participation would be a really wonderful way of connecting to the community. Yes, I, I just want to reassure you that there is a task list that our consultants from Gensler have um, assigned us, and, and one of the tasks is to socialize this plan in the community with uh, our partners and certainly the people that have helped uh, develop this plan. Mm -hmm. Great. Can I, can I say one yes, thing? Yes, please. Um, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, you were talking about what wasn't being done, Jory, 10, 15 years ago. I w 
both of us, I think, have been on the commission for 10 years, right? Um, and many of these things were being done 10 years ago. But when I was appointed a commissioner, I was appointed by Mayor Lee. And I'm just remembering, we had a little conversation. It wasn't very long, but he wanted to meet me and I wanted to meet him. And he said, how do you envision the library systems going forward? And I turned it back to him. I said, how do you envision the library? <laughs> and he said, I'd like to see them be um, community centers in each of their neighborhoods. Now that was pretty simple. I mean, that was a good elevator pitch because it really reflects everything that you're talking about here. So thank you. This was really a very robust um, presentation, but it really is robust because of the depth and complexity and time and effort everyone put into this. So this is just another thank you to um, the staff, the teams, the ambassadors. Um, thank you again, and thank you to my fellow commissioners for your incredible, thoughtful insights and perspectives. So thank you we're for all your finished. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and we'll look forward to having you back. Um, with some joy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're gonna go to the nitty gritty. Um, uh, we now turn to um, agenda item number four, discussion on the 25-26 budget. And of course this is gonna feel a little outdated almost because the, the, the framework is for our old strategic plan and not what we're doing moving forward. So. Um, we just have to have a little patience here in the transitions of this. So I now turn it over to City Librarian Michael Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf. A very astute observation there. Uh, as a reminder, last month, our Chief Operating Officer, Maureen, gave us a preview of the FY25-26 budget. And this evening, our library CFO, Mike Fernandez, is back, and he's going to facilitate a more detailed presentation and discussion. Mike? All right, thank you so much, Michael, appreciate that. Good evening, President Wolf, Vice President Huang, and commissioners. Um, I wanna start off by, we've been doing a lot of thanking, but I'd still like to thank all the dedicated, dedicated staff here at the library who really worked so hard to deliver on all the budgets that we put forward, you all approve. Um, and they also worked so hard on getting these proposals together. Um, you get to see a small slice of really everything that gets proposed because we can't approve everything. <laughs> um, I also really like to thank Maureen for pinch hitting for me um, last meeting. That was very helpful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, okay, so today we'll be, I'll be going over where we are currently in the budget process. So the guiding principles um, that, we, that we use to develop the budget, our current budget environment, the state of our collections, the preliminary proposals, some additional budget context for you all, and some additional next steps. So here, hopefully, by now is a pretty familiar budget calendar. The yellow arrows indicate where we are at this time. Um, as Michael mentioned, the last meeting, uh, Maureen was able to give a preview, the first look at the proposals that we were considering at that time. And tonight, we're gonna continue that discussion. That's where, we're here. That's where we are here in yellow. And those very next blue arrows are the, uh, is gonna be the next session where we're gonna be asking you to approve these proposals. So it's very quick. Some notes on the budget environment. So the mayor has delivered her instructions to departments, including the instructions really is this environment that we are, that we are currently um, looking at as we 
develop these proposals. As you've probably seen already, we are looking at a deficit over the next two years of $800 million. The deficit really gets driven from two places, the, the amount of money we're taking in and the cost of doing our business of delivering the services. So on the revenue side, unlike last year, we are seeing and projecting a weaker transfer hotel and sales taxes. Um, I'm sure you've all seen the no news on the, on the uh, office vacancies and their high rates, and we are expecting for those to show up in our property tax uh, and transfer tax fairly soon. And as you know, that's a key component of the Library Preservation Fund. On the general fund side, we are seeing a plateauing really on the, on the hospitality industry and the recovery from the pandemic so far. And that's another, and that's a critical piece also the, of the general fund, which is the other half of our Library Preservation Fund. And then just on a, a little bit of a technical note, the mayor made the policy choice to go ahead and spread out the fund balance over three years, whereas last year she was, we were assuming all in one year. So that reduces the amount we have in any one year. And then on the expense side, um, the city is projecting that the salary and benefits are gonna rise faster than our revenues. We're also seeing a very odd case, or abnormally large increase of 9% in our health in our healthcare costs for fiscal year 25, which is pretty outside the norm. And we're and with these this environment of the slower over, uh, growth in overall revenues, they did note that the baselines or set asides do reduce the flexibility of the of the general fund. And this time, the, major, the mayor's budget priorities really not have changed much. We're still being asked to prioritize improved public safety and street conditions, economic recovery, reduction of homelessness, and transforming mental health service delivery, accountability and equity, and equity in services and spending. The general, general fund departments, which we are fortunate not to be at this time, we're, are being asked for a 10% redu uh, reduction each year, as well as 5% additional contingency. Whereas departments like ourselves, we are, we are to really just need to balance our own revenue. Um, another thing to note that's a little bit new is that the mayor is not entertaining new positions at this time. Um, and she also, the, her office also advised all departments to really prepare for a weakening outlook as we go forward. There was a lot of uncertainty um, still at this time. As for our revenue, our LPF actually has improved slightly since the last budget. Um, it was, so now we've, we're seeing an additional $400,000 where we start, start the year with. Um, and we are expected to see an increase in the next year of, uh, of about $5 million. That comes out to roughly 2.7%. And as you're probably well aware, that's a bit below inflation. So in real terms, that, that is less money overall um, for us to be able to deliver our services. In addition to those mayor's priorities, we are, of course, continuing to use our existing strategic and, budget, strategic and budget priorities, as well as our current mission. Um, as noted earlier, those will be changing <laughs> as we go. Um, but those really have guided our evaluation of the proposals that we bring before you um, tonight, uh, and I'll just and I'll be presenting to you in just a few minutes. But first. Let's go, this is a part of the budget process where really it's critical for us to take a closer look at the state of our collections funding. The physical budgets will stay the same as we watch how the circulation tends change and as we continue to recover. We are, however, uh, proposing to expand the giveaway program by $100,000, it's a relatively small amount, to allow for more, um, more adults to grow home libraries. We're also asking for 
are proposing for $300,000, again, a relatively small increase in our e-collections budget, which continues to be popular as, as we continue to expand our offerings. For physical collections, while circulation is down overall, we have seen increase in some areas. We have seen price increases for books that range anywhere from 5 to 22%, depending on the binding. And for now, we are able to continue with strong support for our collections while we monitor and consider possible shift or increased needs for the future. We built the fund. Uh, secondly, we built the funding for the Mission Branch Opening Day collection over the past few years. And we are starting to use that funding this year to start purchasing that collection, and we'll continue spending over the next couple of years. We've continued to grow our collection with a diversity of languages, as well as author perspectives and backgrounds. The collections team would like me to mention that $200,000 previously approved in ongoing funding from past fiscal year has really been helpful, so I really appreciate that. For literacy promotion, youth giveaways have been very popular. We are looking to make some of these giveaways events full family events and include books, more books for all ages. The Honorbound program was funded with $100,000 in fiscal year 20 with a focus mainly on adults. We plan to ex expand on that by adding even more books to general giveaways. Some examples of where, where, we do, where we do these giveaways are at Sunday Streets, Library Open Houses, Summer Stride, Night of Ideas, very popular everywhere, which is great. Uh, the Recovery Books program has also been very popular, so we are increasing the types of titles we offer and planning to add additional lo uh, locations as well. On the e-collections, recent significant increases to support these very popular collections. Uh, the tablet project at the, at the jails was launched very successfully to full populations during this past summer. And as we look over the past five years, you see there is a bump in funding in fiscal year 23. Just as a reminder, that was a bump for the mission day, mission opening day collection, and we'll continue to in the background, move those funds forward through time so that we have, so we can spend the money when, really when we need it. This level of funding is really consistent with budgets of other urban libraries. Um, and as you notice, there's a bump in fiscal years 25 and 26, and we'll go into a little bit more detail right about now. So here are the proposals. This is a fairly dense slide, so let me, let me start by going over how this is laid out. The proposals are, are grouped on the left-hand side um, by our current strategic priorities. To the right of the titles, you'll see an indicator of whether those proposals are ongoing or one-time. Uh, next, we have base budgets for the, for the uh, first year of this cycle, which is fiscal year 25. And to the right of that, we have the amount uh, the proposal would increase in fiscal year 25. The next column is in addition to that 25, fiscal year 25 investment, how much more we would invest in fiscal year 26. So that final column is the total investment this cycle. So that means ongoing investments we make, we're proposing in 25 would be added to fiscal year 26's budget. So the, effectively they'll be counted twice in, the, in that final column. So that's where those total amounts come from. So for our digital strategies, we are proposing the, the $300,000 to our overall e-collections budget, which is currently at $10.8 million, to include offerings at the jails. This really builds on that successful pilot project that we started over the summer that I had mentioned. Um, as is the nature for a lot of the infrastructure, infrastructure funding, it tends to just get always allocated year after year, one at a time. They don't tend to get really added to the base very often. This year is not really much of an exception. First up, we have 
branch envelopes projects. We have found that we spend typically around a million dollars every two years on these type of projects. And now that we have a capital, the capital project manager on board, we had really identified this year as an opportunity to stabilize that funding. Rather than bringing them to you piecemeal, we'd rather go ahead and set up programmatic funding of about of $500,000 annually, so we have the million dollars every two years. The next proposal is the continuous capital fund that we budget annually uh, with CPI increase each year. So that's the $1.7 million that that we did get into the base in fiscal year 25, and that would increase to 1.8 million in fiscal year 26. Next, we have a truck that's actually from the, the turn of the millennia that's still in service, and that desperately needs to be replaced. Um, that's $56,000. And the next item we have is the next budget installment of the Ocean View Branch Library. We've been putting in $4.8 million annually, and that we we're proposing for that to continue. At our 750 Brandon Public Services Support Facility, we are preparing for, preparing for the future of our fleet by, uh, by proposing to install electric charging stations now. That's, that's 150,000. And last in this section, we have an increase our annual work order to public works. We currently send them $1.48 million uh, every year to service all of our uh, facilities. And this would add $126,000 for just one year to do replacement flooring at the Mission Bay Branch. We do have some exciting proposals in uh, literacy and learning. As mentioned previously, we're looking to expand the honor-bound collections for our community partners by $100,000. Next, we are looking to start building some of the work on the strategic planning effort that you've just heard about and invest in community outreach that, uh, to communities that speak languages other than English, and that would be a $200,000 ongoing investment. We are also seeking consultant services to create a strategic marketing plan to increase library service utilization. That's $20,000 one time. And lastly, over the next two years, replace two of our older bookmobiles that have reached the end of their useful life. These bookmobiles are spending a lot of time and resources getting service, and they're just not out in the community where we need them. And that would, that would cost us an estimated $600,000 a year over the next two years. For prioritizing organizational excellence, this proposal would reallocate and increase the budget by $123,000 to meet the demand uh, we are already seeing for print material, as well as, again, to increase our capacity to reach non-English speakers. And lastly, uh, the last proposal before you is for partnerships for excellence category or priority. And this proposal would allow us to commission a local artist to create an art piece for $20,000 that celebrates in the indigenous communities. I know that was a bit of information, so I'll sum that up for you in just a second. But before I do, as I mentioned earlier, we are not considering positions in, uh, position increases at this time. I know last time we showed, we showed you some, some thoughts on that, what we had been thinking, and we'll continue to work with our, within our con current allocations to address some of the needs um, that we had discussed last time. So to sum up, we are considering roughly $2.2 million investment in fiscal year 25 of which nearly $1.5 million are just one time and would not impact the next year. And in fiscal year 26, we, we are proposing $7.7 million, this time all in one time. So again, not burdening the, the next budget cycle um, with, any, with, the, with the new investments. On the second table, you see facilities, maintenance, and infrastructure, again, gets the lion's share. And a lot of that really is largely due to the way we budget for those kind of, that kind of work and those kind of line items. So 
Before we end, uh, I did want to give you some additional context to consider um, before you begin your discussion. So first off, um, and it, just a reminder, we do have the infrastructure uh, budgets that I'd shown you in the budget proposals, but we do have $6.5 million that we were able to put into the base for this year, uh, this year, fiscal year 25. So although it looks small, there is $6.5 million there. Um, I think a bit of good news, there was no change from the October preview that you, that you all saw last time and the actual December official numbers that we got that could indicate that revenues are stabilizing a bit since there was no revise. So that's potentially good news. Also, this is a labor contract year. And what that means is that the, basically all the labor, or most of the labor MOUs are open this year for negotiation. So we really don't know what the actual salary and fringe costs are going to be, and we're not gonna know until the summer. Um, so we do wanna keep that in mind as we're considering this budget. Um, and then lastly, if you, as you were just discussing, um, we, we do want to take into consideration that we do have a strategic plan, new strategic plan that will be implemented in future cycles. So just something to keep in mind. And lastly, looking ahead. So this month we're refining the budget proposals and we're looking to confirm our interdepartmental work orders. That sounds like a technical term. It's the work really that we request from other departments to perform for us. For example, public works, we ask them to go ahead and maintain our facilities or you know, uh, landscaping or other, other things we ask them to do. And next month, and which really is just a couple of weeks really from now, um, we'll be uh, requesting your approval for our budget. And with your approval, we submit to the controller's office and the mayor. So thank you very much for your time and attention this evening and I'll be here for questions. Um, thank you very much, Mike. That was chock-a-full, and I'm sure we'll have discussion. But first, we're going to open it up for public comment here in Corret Auditorium. So for anyone, public comment's now open. For anyone who would like to make public comment on this agenda item, um, you may do so now. Thank you. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117 0544. Uh, many of the objectives, uh, I hope that we're still following the strategic priorities that it says we're following. You haven't yet approved the new one. Uh, so I'm assuming or hoping, expecting that you're following the, the existing uh, budget priorities as stated in this document. Uh, many of the goals that you have mentioned, including joy and including some of the others, I think you should increase your marijuana budget because I think many of those things would be encouraged with marijuana, uh, possibly even better than having all the complexity of staff, books, and whatnot. Uh, but seriously speaking, I want to talk about uh, equity, free and equal access. Ebooks and paper books, print books, are not the same, and they're not at all, I call them, really e-text. They often don't have the features, dust covers, blurbs on the flaps about the book itself and the author, the quotes of uh, endorsements, and so on. Um, they're not accessible 
to folks who have less or no access to computers, and there's no provision at the library to provide Kindles to read a Kindle book or to provide, for example, earphones for an audio book, uh, despite mentions by uh, a member, at least one in here. Uh, with respect to what the library has been doing, the library dropped a notch in the citywide survey, and I haven't seen any discussion here about that, last year's survey. I haven't seen any discussion about what's, that, what's the cause, what's the reason, what might be the case. To claim that there's some gigantic sea change in usage because of a catastrophe, because of a serious COVID issue, when at times the library was completely closed, I think is very, very problematic indeed and misleading. The last time we discussed collections, book prints, print books zoomed as you added more hours. And you still haven't given the same hours to the branches that you had pre-COVID. All the branches have been cut in the evening from nine to eight o'clock, those who had it, most of them did. And with respect to community, how well are you doing community? Community, how are they supposed to have meetings for working people and students who might want to have a meeting from seven to nine when you have all the locations closing at eight? Uh, that's very problematic. There's a whole range of things about e-books that are not like print books, including shareability with other libraries and Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Corret Auditorium on this agenda item? Seeing that there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed. And we will now open this up for commission discussion. Um, before I turn it over to the fellow commissioners, I just want to thank you, Mike, for your um, great presentation and very thoughtful work and all the staff, because these numbers have a lot of hours behind them and thinking behind them. Um, before we proceed, I just wanted to ask one point of clarification. In past years, um, we're given options. And is that something that happens at the next meeting? I just wanted some clarification there. Thank you. Yes, that's, that's correct. Yes, at the next meeting, we will. Okay. Yeah, at the next meeting, we'll be presenting you with options. OK, great. Thank you. So um, uh, Commissioner Huang. Thanks, Mike. Um, I just have one question about the uh, the e-collections investment for our JARS patrons. Um, I'm reading 300,000 in ongoing new investments, and I'm also reading. It also said 800 patrons. Is that right? I have it on uh, page 52 on, on the slides here. Sure. Our um, chief of community programs and partnerships who oversees this program, and, and Shelly's also here, they can speak to this. Oh, great. We have the whole team. Um, anyways, I'm looking at the numbers on page 52 on the slides. The last bullet reads, expand JARS access to Hoopla for 800 inmates. And then that was uh, two pages later on 54. That is the first line, enhance the e-collections e budget to include offerings at the jails, and that's a $300,000 ongoing investment. Okay, if that's right, is that expensive? That feels like a lot. So to clarify, um, um, I don't know if you used Hoopla, so that we're providing access to um, music books, comic books, magazines, and um, TV and film. So it's like an entire library collection um, in e-form e to these people who have never had access to it before. So it is expensive because it's a brand new thing. 
And I would say it's probably less than what we pay to individuals who are using our resources here because, you know, an overdrive ebook could be $80 and it might only circulate for a couple of people. So when you do the math per patron, oh, sorry, per patron, what is that expense per patron? 375 Feels like a lot to me. Well, it's, it, so it's also not, it's 800 people can be housed at any given moment. Yep. So somebody might come in and be there for three days. Somebody might be there for the month. So if somebody's in there for three days and then you get another person for three days and another person for three days, you might actually have, you know, 15 people in that bed for one month. So you can't really just take the number because we don't know exactly how many people are in. Yeah, yeah. It's more about what you're saying is like the 800 is like a how many beds? Yes, like how many yeah. how many like users, not necessarily yeah. um, so when we, humans. Let's yeah. say yeah. So when we yeah. look at patron usage, it goes up and down. It's only been four months that it's been at full capacity, um, and so we've had as you know like 1.2, you know like 1,200 people use it one month. And then another month, it was only 700. So it kind of, you know, it's a And that's, that's in the current yes. system right now. Right. It's just because it's only been up for four months. So we're still, okay. you know, testing. Okay. So it depends on how many people are cycling through the jail and how much it's going to cost each month. Because each person gets, oh, I'm forgetting. I want to say it's the 20 or 30 checkouts. It's 20 or 30, yeah. Um, per month. Per, Month, but if you're only there for three days and use all 30 of them, and the next person comes and is there for 10 days and uses all 30 of them, we could go through a lot of people. So it's 800 beds as opposed to patrons. Gotcha. So yeah. um, I think my, my, my sniff test, I don't want to like litigate it in front of everyone here, but my sniff test is um, saying to me that this is kind of a lot. I would love to see some backup on other contexts on just like, what is the rate we're paying outside of this? Like all the kind of stuff. Cause when I, when I do the, just like the very basic gut check math, if we're spending 10.8 across, uh, call it 400,000 patrons in the system as it is today. And that's much, that's like an order of magnitude less than, than the per sort of per bed rate that, that we're saying here. I know I'm comparing different things probably. Very, very different because out of our 400,000 active patrons, a very small portion of them are Yes, so I know I'm missing information here, right. but what, what I'm saying is like just even even in the, whatever's on the page uh, is is triggering like my, my, my sniff test to say we need more to know more here. Um, it just feels like a lot, but... And, and of course, like I'm comfortable sort of like with the idea, but but um, would love next time to have a little bit more backup data to support this one. Yeah, we can do that. And just so you know, the average cost per checkout is for most things under $2, more around $1.60 a checkout, which is really low. With our e-collections, we start to think about it in terms of if we hit $4, we start considering um, per usage, maybe we should let go of that product because that's a lot per checkout. The only thing that's more expensive is when people watch films, and those are $2, um, 2 to $3 um, per film, depending on the film. So it, in, in terms of per use, it's way below our average, if that helps. So gotcha. like cost per checkout. Gotcha. That's, that's how I think of it. 
Because it's really, I mean, we, they, gotcha. they're just So going you're saying, yeah, so you're yeah. saying the right metric to look at for gauging this is uh, how many checkouts do you think each bed would incur right. across all these different formats right. and then compare that to the weighted right. uh, cost per checkout average elsewhere? And Hoopla is our cheapest platform that we have in terms of cost per checkouts. Okay, yeah. good to know. Thank you. I'll just add one more additional data point for context. These vendors, they license content differently. Um, Overdrive, Hoopla, Canopy, uh, Flipster. And so for Hoopla, correct me if I'm wrong, Shelley, but it's more of a pay-per-peak yeah. model. Yeah. So however much utilization it's, it, that's how much we have to pay for. So, I mean, we don't really put in a constraint on how much utilization can occur, but in the end, we get the bill, for, and it is a very popular service. Does that make sense? Well, but we do, We and I wish I remembered. If, I think it's 20 checkouts per patron per month, but because they don't usually stay a full month, they might be doing the 20 checkouts in a week. So they really go through a lot of music, which is really, really cheap. It's like a little over a dollar. So they're just listening to a lot of music in there, which is good. I think it's giving them something to do besides sit there and with their thoughts. So, and they don't use a lot of the eBooks, I think, because we still provide them the physical books. So they're using the media and then using the books to do the reading. Thank you. Um, any further comments or questions? Um, I just want to, um, I think that says that we're looking forward to our options next month and what, what's, and some further clarification on this, but um, this really, I, I think the city, as citizens of the city, I think we're all concerned about where her, um, how the um, budget cuts are going to impact our daily lives. and. Um, but at the same time, we also know that as resources dwindle in our city, the library becomes even more important and such a critical resource to people who have um, constraints, financial constraints, and want to have access to information and materials and job skills and other kinds of things. So we really are um, having to really push our ability to get everything we can out of the budget we have to really... Um, elevate what the city can offer its citizens. So we really appreciate the efforts of the staff. So thank you. Oh, um, Commissioner Lopez. This is more of a clarification question on the same topic. Um, how, or if I recall many meetings back, there is a grant, right? that supports this program as well? That's true. Um, the grant funds staff positions. I want to say three FTE off the top of my head, and those positions are temporary. Um, so that work, um, you know, it, it had a, it was a project, and it's um, very specific about um, studying our best practices and amplifying the work that we're doing uh, in the industry. And so, you know, we're looking at that work and, you know, the management team will have to consider what we're able to sustain and, um, you know, how we're going to continue to advance this work at the conclusion of the grant funding. 
But the grant funding doesn't fund the collections. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you again for your efforts, Mike and Maureen and the whole team. And we look forward to um, revisiting this in a matter of, I think, just two weeks. So um, you better, you know, get, get going with getting all that further information that I know you're waiting from the city to get. But um, really appreciate the effort and knowing that we are so essential in this coming two years with the budget deficit the city is facing. So thank you. Thank you. So now we turn to um, item number five, which um, is the discussion on the, and it's a presentation on the city librarian's report. And it looks like we have a very full presentation. So thank you and turn it over to city librarian Michael Lambert. Thank you, President Wolf. We have a couple of presenters this evening and I'm pleased to introduce our first presenter, Anissa Malady adult engagement coordinator, and she's gonna be unveiling our 2024 One City, One Book title. Yes. Good evening, commissioners, Michael, Maureen, and Dolly. Thank you all for giving me your time. We're really excited. This is our 18th One City, One Book. We're getting close to that 20th year mark. So exciting. So you can see right there, we are excited to announce that Catherine Ma, it will be our author with her book, Chinese Groove. This book explores the immigrant experience, the pursuit of the American dream, and the complexities of family dynamics. And it's set in our beautiful city, mostly the Sunset, Chinatown, and Golden Gate Park. Our main event is not on May 8th, but it is been changed just today to May 4th. It's gonna be a Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. Please save the date. And Catherine will be in conversation with Natalie Bazil, who is the author of Queen Sugar, which was named one of SF Chronicle's best books in 2014. It is sure to be a captivating event. In addition to the main event, there'll be various programs accompanying the campaign, along with uh, distributing copies of the book to all of SFUSD high schools. Catherine will engage in a link in a Lincoln High School Book Club Luncheon Talk, and an event is planned at Blackbird Books in Outer Sunset, along with the many SFPL book clubs and other programs that we arrange that align with this book. Our next public citywide social media announcement of this campaign, so this is just our first announcement, don't go share it with everybody, because we really wanna launch it out, and it's gonna be happening on February 10th, to align with Lunar New Year. The graphics and marketing team and I are diligently working on a comprehensive marketing plan, which includes a beautiful banner on Grove Street, the huge one, and detailed brochure with discussion guide, reader's guide, questions, and the programming lineup. We are looking forward and enthusiastic about sharing more details as they come into place regarding our celebration of Chinese Groove. The book promises to be a significant part of our library and city's ongoing efforts to celebrate Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And I know you all received the book, so I hope you all enjoy the read. And that's it. Thank you, Anissa. And I am 
most of the time a nonfiction guy, but when I do read fiction, it's usually a one city, one book title. And as a, a resident of the Outer Sunset, I do want to applaud the committee members. I know President Wolf, Commissioner Maul, Anissa, Michelle, and probably many others who I'm missing. Uh, I really enjoyed this title. You know, it, it's fun. If you're a San Francisco resident, you're really going to have a lot of fun with this book, so I highly recommend it. Well I done. I think it, you, everything you said, Michael, it's fun, but it also has like some deep issues in, in it. So it does. I think indeed. it's going to be a really great. Yep. Thank you. All right. Our next presenter is Shauna Sherman, the program manager for the African American Center. And she's going to be presenting on our more than a month celebration of black history, culture, and heritage. Shauna? Thank you, thank you, Michael, and good good evening, commissioners. I'm happy to be here um, to talk about the wealth of programs we have happening at the library in our Black History Month celebration, which we call more than a month. What I present today is gonna only be a sampling of some of the amazing programs our locations are hosting. There is something to do at all library locations and events for the whole family. A big thank you to our Community Programs and Partnerships Division for organizing our More Than a Month programming and to the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library for their continued support. So on February 13th, we once again are having our Drum Beats and Heartbeats program in partnership with the San Francisco Human Rights Commission, the APA Heritage Foundation, Booker T. Washington Community Service Center, and many others. This program celebrates both Black History Month and New Lunar New Year with exciting entertainment and will um, sell out, so please get there early at 5 p.m. when doors open and register on sfpl.org. In the next four slides, I'm gonna be highlighting some of the family events happening at our various communities, including at the Main Library Children's Storytelling Room, where we're gonna have author Koumba Diof reading her book, The African Princess. This will be a playful, interactive experience where families will discover a fascinating culture through singing, dancing, role play, playing, and joyful times on February 24th. At our Parkside and Richmond branches, see Music is First with the duo Brian Dyer and Zareen Levin. Levin. Music is First creates equity and access to music education for all children and communities. The music continues with a hambone presentation by Bay Area favorite Unique Derek in our West Portal and our Chinatown and Park communities. In this interactive presentation for families, Unique Derek presents the history and art of hambone body music and its evolution from Africa to modern North America. So here we move from musical, musical arts to visual arts with Senegalese artist, educator, and interior designer, Charles Dabo. He is returning to celebrate more than a month with a collage art workshop based on creating shapes of musical instruments traditionally used in jazz music. He'll be at our Mer Merced and Portola branches. And now for the adults. Our on the same plate selection for January and February is brought to you by our Reader's Advisory Committee and is on the rooftop with local author Margaret Wilkerson Sexton. The book is inspired by the vibrant 
Fillmore neighborhood in the jazz scene there and the set in the gentrifying 1950s San Francisco. Read the book, talk about it at a book club, and then hear the author in conversation with Dorothy Lazard, celebrated librarian, historian, and memoirist. This program is in partnership with the African American Art and Cultural Complex and will be happening at their 762 Fulton location on Tuesday, February 27th. Hope to see you there. So we've had a, a, a bunch of amazing programs this January at the main library. Starting on Sunday, January 7th, where over 100 people came out to hear archivist and photographer Lewis Watts talk about his book, Harlem of the West, the San Francisco Fillmore Jazz Era. This book was actually served as inspiration for Sexton's novel, On the Rooftop. On January 11th, I was happy to be a part of the opening reception for We Were Here, an exhibit with San Francisco Arts Commission and San Francisco Public Library artist-in-residence, Tania Lunsford-Links. Her work explores the black American presence in San Francisco from the late 1800s to the 1906 earthquake through the oral history of Albert, Aurelius Alberga, Alberga, which she found in our collections. Tania will delve deeper into the topic on February 7th when she interviews Dr. Albert Broussard, who interviewed Alberga in 1976 and is also the author of the book Black San Francisco. This program is in our virtual library and the exhibit is up on the third floor through March 1st. On Tuesday of this week, we partnered with the Mickey Mang Gallery at 419 in hosting button making, book giveaways, and library card signups at the opening of their new exhibition, Cross Currents, which explores the dynamic relationship between black and Asian communities. Visit the exhibit at 419 through February 16th, and don't forget to check out the free book library provided by the library. And thanks so much to our collection development department for those amazing books. Everybody was very happy to receive them there. On Thursday, January 5th, at our main library, don't miss the opening reception for our exhibit, Toward a Back Black Aesthetic, featuring Kenneth P. Green Sr.'s photographs from the 1960s and 70s. Green Sr. was the first black photographer in the Oakland Tribune and also a prolific photographer of, photographer of street life. The exhibit features images of black women in our Jewett Gallery and scenes from African Liberation Day 1972 in the African American Center. The evening will include a table talk with Kenneth P. Green Jr., who holds his father's archive. And this is an exhibit that can't be missed. If you can't make it to the opening, it'll be up through April 21st. Also keep a lookout for a panel discussion on the meaning of African Liberation Day on March 17th in the African American Center. There are two events happening this Saturday, January 25th, 20th. The first at the Noe Valley Branch, Yvonne, at the first in the Noe Valley Branch, Yvonne Hines of Yvonne Southern Suites in the Bayview shares insights on starting and running a business, the authentic Southern flavor of her desserts, they're very delicious, trust me, and her favorite dishes. A pie tasting is included, so there is limited space. Reservations are required. <laughs> At the main library, fifth floor computer room, explore the historic and current black newspapers, including titles like the Pacific Appeal and the Chicago Defender. Please also register for this event. 
And for, the, for more on black newspapers, on February 17th in our virtual library, unpack artist Fahim Majid's sculpture, Freedom Stand, which is on view at the Highline Park in New York through April, to learn more about the significance of, of the African-American press and how it inspires today's modern artists. Moving on, the African American Center will be hosting several events in more than a month, starting in, on February 1st, where we launch a new series of uh, a new author series featuring African American women sci-fi authors in partnership with Sister Sci-Fi, a black sci-fi-focused online bookstore. The first author to be featured is Kemi Ashingiwa for her novel, The Splinter in the Sky. Later in the month, we will also have two virtual events. The first on Wednesday, February 28th, featuring Dr. Tanisha Ford, who is author of Liberated Threads and Dressed in Dreams, who will be in conversation with Dr. Tiffany E. Bar Barber to contextualize the Toward a Black Exotic exhibit and the influence of African-American women's fashion throughout history. On Thursday, February 8th, Dr. Jacqueline Francis, co-curator of a new exhibit of the work of San Francisco-based artist Sergeant Johnson, will be in conversation with Virginia Smiley, board member of the San Francisco African American Historical and Cultural Society, which donated several, several pieces to that exhibit. And there's more. On January 23rd at the Presidio branch, we will be screening Raising Liberty Square, a film about the transformation of Liberty City, Miami, as rising sea levels turn higher ground into real estate gold. Following the screening, the Port of San Francisco will share information and take audience questions on the Waterfront Resilience Program here. You can also dive into the richness of queer black history with two hands-on events at the main library. The first in January 25th at the History Center where they lead a hands-on history archives tour with a focus on queer black history including treasures from the San Francisco History Center and LGBTQIA Center archives. Then on Saturday, 20, January 27th, experts from our History Center, our Digi Center, and our preservation departments will guide queer black community archivists in analyzing, organizing, and describing and preserving documents and photographs in their home archives. Participants there will receive an archival starter kit and registration is also required for this event. At our branches, we are hosting two great programs that offer several opportunities to participate. The first, at the first, Nicole Talbot of Ashe Arts leads a structured session focused on manifesting personal aspirations through self-reflection and collage. This event is happening at the Marina, Potrero, Noe Valley, Golden Gate, Glen Park, and Ingleside branches. You can also discover the secrets of cultivating superfoods in an urban environment and get hands-on experience with Isaiah Powell, founder of Dragon Spunk, who is addressing food insecurity, sustainability, community, and community building at Visitation Valley, Marina, and Ocean View communities. And to close, Paris Lane, a PBS-emanated PBS Emmy-nominated actress and singer, shares insights into her audiobook project, Abella, A Voice for the Voiceless, a book that explores themes of hope, dreams, and the healing power of music. And we are excited for the return of Cole Thompson-Ritas of SF Opera, who will present a historical survey of black voices in American opera.
See this presentation in our virtual library and in the Bernal Heights and Western Edition communities. As you can see, there is much the library is doing during more th our more than a month celebration. Find information on all these events and more at sfpl.org by clicking on the more than a month icon on the front page. And be sure to come back after February because we offer enriching community-driven African-American programming all year round. Thank you very much. Thank you, Shauna. That is an incredibly robust lineup. I must say I attended the Tania Lunsford Links exhibition opening last week. That was a fantastic program, robust turnout, filled our African-American center and third floor, very engaging. Well done, thank you. And that concludes the City Librarian's Report. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, before we turn it over to um, commission discussion and questions, we open it up for public comment here in Corret Auditorium. Public comment is now open on this uh, item, City Librarian's report, so people may offer their comments. Thank you. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. Thank you very much for having the presenters and to the presenters. It's always uh, terrific to hear what's going on at the library, what uh, programming there is, what uh, resources there are. Uh, I only wish actually that something that I said before were also on your agenda, and that is uh, a little bit of explication of uh, what the library has in the way of uh, assets, for example, with respect to collections, with respect to special collections, with respect to historical material, with respect to databases. There are whole masses of databases that have all kinds of information that is simply not known uh, unless you search around online uh, uh, with considerable effort to find anything in particular if you have a focus. Obviously, you can certainly ask librarians who are also very helpful, and I wish that they were given more prominence in terms of their value to the library in helping people to navigate the whole system and what all is available. Um, while it's presumably assumed that librarians are there to help people figure things out, uh, I think it would be useful to actually publicize what all they can do. I've asked for uh, advice on where to find particular information, how to find uh, consumer reports, how to find certain books, how to find topics. Uh, and especially the databases that I'm not particularly familiar with yet, but uh, that offer a great deal of material uh, which can be pretty obscure to the public as to what it is, where it is, where to find what, and so on and so forth. There's also quite a bit of overlap, but that's not clear either. In other words, what database can I get to look at the New York Times? What has the image of the newspaper versus what has just the text of particular articles? How current are these resources? Some of them are holding back for three months. And it's fairly complex, but also very extensive. So thanks very much for giving us a guide through uh, what we have here. And I hope that we could 
expand that for other aspects of, for instance, standing uh, collections, materials, and staff. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Karat Auditorium? Seeing there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed on this item, and I now open it up for discussion among the commissioners. Are there any um, comments? Um, there's certainly, I just want to say, Shauna, it's just amazing what you have pulled together, but I also know it's a whole team that came together on that. And um, really, um, Anissa, I know Susan and I both love serving on the um, uh, One City, One Book. It's our own private book club. And I know we have to get started already on reading a lot of books for next year, um, but we do enjoy it. Um, and I just want to mention that due to some changes in schedule, that the event will take place now on Saturday, May 4th at 2 p.m. Um, and I just encourage, um, first of all, read the book and also um, uh, come to the event because it's always so illuminating when the author does present. Um, so comments, um, Commissioner Ono. I thank you, Anisha and Shawana. Uh, I did read The Chinese Groove and I'm ahead of One City, One Book this time, but I want to make any announcement about it, but it's amazing. So I thank your whole committee and I know these two have been on it for a while. So thank you very much for what you do. And more than a month, it's, it's an entire year of what you do um, with the African-American and Black History Month. It's just, I really enjoy a lot of the programming that you do, and it's so innovative this time. I wanted to learn about the microgreens, so I might attend that one. But thank you very much. Thank you very much. Any further public comment? I mean, uh, commissioner comment? Um, well, given that um, there's no further um, commissioner comment, just want to, on behalf of the commission, thank the entire staff for the incredible work you do to make public programs such a dynamic and robust um, opportunity for residents throughout the, the San Francisco area and beyond. I love that they're all free. I love that they are accessible. I love that there are some that are online for participants to join in who can't make it in. And I love that they're really touching every branch, every community. And I love the phrase, more than a month, because it really is, everything we do here is really so um, wonderfully um, embracing of so many different perspectives and communities. So thank you so much. Um, so we are now finished with um, the main part of the agenda today, and we will now move on to item number six, which is adjournment. Um, so before we adjourn, we open it up for public comment um, on this agenda item. Public comment in Correct Auditorium is now open. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. That's the speed that I usually give it, and it costs me 15 seconds out of my three minutes, but I do it for a reason. Uh, as I say, you're pretty accessible, uh, at least eventually, in some fashion, although you still won't give your uh, contact information for doing library business, contrary to what the... Uh, Sunshine Ordinance Task Force said you should do under the law. Um, as I've said before, I don't think you should adjourn until you insist that your agenda include 
an item typically at the end of the meeting for future agenda items that you would like to see on the agenda. I think there were issues that come, came up with respect to uh, the wording and possibly the underlying facts of the uh, strategic plan. And thank you very much to the uh, commissioners who asked questions. But uh, one of the things that I think uh, is important is what do we measure when we measure circulation? Uh, I've heard how wonderfully popular ebooks are, but I'm very concerned that there's a thumb on the scale to make the numbers look bigger, or at least not recognize why the numbers might be bigger than comparable measurements would show. And by that I mean, since I'm seeing a frown on the chairs uh, on the president's face, when I go to the shelf and I see, uh, let's say I want to fix a leaky faucet, I might find in the section that has home improvements or whatever, five, six, seven, ten books. This one has, uh, it's too big and heavy. This next one has pretty good explanations, but the pictures are not so good. On and on. I can pull from the shelf all these books and maybe take home none, or maybe photocopy taking home none, or borrow one. So the record of circulation shows one item borrowed. If, by contrast, I'm sitting where I'm in front of a computer and I look at electronic books, by and large, I have to borrow every single one that would be presumably the same as on the shelf in order to get a look at what's inside. A very few give you an option for so-called browsing, but that doesn't give me the, that only gives me what they want to offer. I don't I'm not able to look at the table of contents. I'm not able to look at the index. I'm not able to see whether when the index mentions something, whether it's discussed as fully as I would like. That, to me, is an example how ebook uh, circulation could be very much distorted by comparison with books. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any further public comment um, in Coret for this um, agenda item on adjournment? Hello, hello. this is my first time ever doing this and never being at a meeting. I just wanted to thank you guys for being so open about this and being very precise in what you say, how you guys discuss it, and allowing everyone to be able to voice their opinion. Thank you, and I am glad I came here today. You guys have helped me choose a path. Oh, wow, thank you. Thank you very much. I hope you'll come back. Um, uh, any further public comment? Um, public comments now closed and correct. So um, would someone like to make a motion to adjourn the meeting? I move. Um, second. Okay, we have a motion from Commissioner Mall and a second from Commissioner Ono to adjourn today's meeting. I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf. Aye. Vice President Wong. Aye. Commissioner Ono. Aye. Commissioner Mall. Aye. Commissioner Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Bolander. Aye. The uh, motion passes unanimously. The meeting is now adjourned. I just want to alert you to next month's meeting is on February 1st. Um, and, and make sure that you have that in your calendar because we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you very much. <laughs>